today yes good to see you all thanks for not uh thanks for coming so i'm not here alone that's uh that's a good start good start you enjoy this morning yeah. it's been great we uh we love um the whole arc family so much so grateful for the relationships and friendships and then i know uh from my dad's perspective and my parents perspective just the relationships with so many that the key lead team of of arc it's just a great friendship great relationship and God is doing a good thing, and um, I, I want to I want to share for a little bit. I know we don't have a, a great deal of time together, um, but I want to share for a little bit. Um, I guess some more heart stuff. That's that's what I do. I share heart, um, and, and then some of the more practicalities side of it. I, I really want to leave a little bit more open to Q and A at the end. Um, many of you are leaders and pastors and church planters. You understand that Q and A is a dangerous thing. Because uh, if no one asks questions, it's incredibly bad. So, um, <laughs> so I want to encourage you right now. Um, you know, think of some stuff. Let's. let's I, I want to do my best to help you. Um, with questions and answers, uh, I don't necessarily know all the answers, but I'll do my best. Um, uh, but I, I really want to talk about something that's dear to my heart. I had the opportunity to speak to our, um, our global Hillsong Church staff, um, which I can't find the message notes. But I had the opportunity to speak to our global church staff and... Um, I really felt God stir something in my spirit around this, and it really stemmed out of reading Matthew chapter 23. So I encourage you to take notes and write things down, uh, but really I want you to catch the heart of what I want to communicate. Out of interest here, um, who, who here is pastoring? Just give me a quick wave so I know. Church planners, wave. If you, Yep. Awesome. Many of you just involved in churches and teams? Yes. Yes, we alive, responsive. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I, I was reading Matthew chapter 23, 
in verse 1. It's a section of scripture where I guess you see the side of Jesus that has a little bit of fire. Uh, I, I like reading about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And, um, you know, in this passage uh, of scripture, you kind of see more of the fiery side of Jesus. And here in Matthew 23 in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. Everything they do is for show. He's saying, listen to them. They're teaching the right stuff. You know, they're teaching the law. They're, they're teaching the right stuff. So listen to them, but don't follow their example. Everything they do is, is fake. Everything that they do is for show. As a church planter and as a leader, I, I read this passage of scripture and you know when it just feels like a ton of bricks just fell on you? I, I really thought about what it is that we are entrusted to do, what it is that I do and, and what many of us here are doing and pastoring and leading in different areas of church. And I just hope and pray that what we do is, is never a show. I pray that we understand what this is really about, um, that the why, the purpose behind it. And so well, with the opportunity I have to, to share with you, knowing that this is the ARC conference, many church planners, leaders and pastors, I, I really wanted to just share from my heart around this whole concept. Um, my, my wife and I, uh, we've been married almost 14 years and moved from... <laughs> Wow. Um, we got four children. Dear Lord, make it stop. Um, uh, we moved from Australia, Sydney, Australia, uh, almost five years ago and started Hillsong Church right in downtown Los Angeles uh, just over four years ago. It's been an incredible journey. Uh, right now, we're, we're, we're just celebrated 12 months since we launched Hillsong Orange County as well, right here in Santa Ana. And it's great to have Pastor Diego here as well that's helping oversee everything in, in Orange County. And then we started in San Francisco as well, uh, roughly about 12 months ago. Got a great couple up there named Brendan and Jackie Brown and their two boys. And uh, they are great leaders also from Australia. In fact, Brendan uh, worked with me. I worked a retail store and, and um, he was running all the nightclubs, completely addicted to drugs and, and all of that stuff. And, and myself and a couple of others just continued to invite him to church and so on. And he has been so radically saved that every single moment, every single moment since, for years now, he's doing everything he can to win the loss. And it's just so amazing to have um, a, a person like that in San Francisco. Um, and so it's been a great journey over this last few years, and, and uh, God has been good. But in all of that, I, I just really want to make sure, check my heart, check my spirit, check my attitude, check my motives, check my all of these things, and make sure that the main thing is the main thing. Make sure that I'm not getting lost in, in, in so many of the things that can distract us and take our attention and take our focus and take our time and make sure that we remember what this is all about. Amen? You, you heard that phrase, the, the show must go on? Yeah. You know that phrase? Uh, I, I think there's something that is innate in, in certain people which, which just kind of lives with that tenacity, that kind of mentality. That, that whatever it is that's happening, whatever the show is, you know, even when all hell breaks loose, we've got to push on. We've got to press on. That The show 
must go on. Um, I think it's the, the sadistic side of me that likes watching, you know, YouTube videos and that where people hurt themselves or, or something goes wrong, you know. Yes, I'm a pastor. I love people. But there's something funny about that as well, you, you know. And so, um, so you see, the, you know, you see the, the dad trying to teach the kid to play baseball, you know, and the ball comes flying back and hits them in the face or other plates of the body. Um, you, you know, it's, it's those kind of things, the weddings where something happens or, or uh, you know, the performance where everyone's dancing and someone trips over and they all trip over and, and you know there, there's something about that that kind of goes out there and and I, I know it's sad I, I got sent a video from my brother-in-law uh, my, my brother-in-law um, is our youth pastor uh, together with my sister his wife overseas Hillsong Young and Free all of the, the music the worship the conferences and everything that comes out of that and so I, I guess in this video of him doing this wedding and it was one of his youth leaders he's doing this wedding and so you know you kind of got the bride and the groom there and, and Peter my brother-in-law is up there and he's you know he's all dressed up and conducting this wedding and as you're watching this video I don't know who's recorded this you know but it's just kind of sitting there in the crowd and you kind of see that that uh the groomsmen he has four or five groomsmen one of them there is sort of swaying back and forward and and peter's up there doing the wedding and kind of going through it all and and uh and he hasn't even noticed yet you know but like the third along in the line there's the groom and then the you know the best man and the groomsmen and and you can just see him wobbling more and more and there's this moment where he reaches his hands out and he's holding the waist of the the guy in front of him which of course looks weird as well so so he's just standing there you know, swaying and, and wobbling, and and uh, you can see this coming, and and it gets to the point, sure enough, where this guy completely faints, falls over, and and there's chaos in this moment. You know, the different mothers and family, people running up to check. You know, you can see as the different groomsmen and that are trying to figure out what's going on, and in the middle of all of this, Peter. My brother-in-law is conducting this wedding but has no idea what to do in this moment. He's kind of acknowledging it. There's people sitting there now at the front like waving this guy down and trying to get water. But Peter just keeps on going with the wedding. He doesn't stop. He doesn't acknowledge it. He just keeps on going. We're losing it watching this, this video as he is just keeping on going. I'm like, surely everyone in the world can see that just stop, acknowledge it, do something. But he just keeps going. Do you take this man to, you know, it's it's that mentality, that heart of the show must go on. You know, there's something in that that I like. I think as leaders and as pastors, as Christians, as as people, I, I think there's Something in that that, that is, is strong, you know, the tenacity, the, the commitment, the determination. I, I, I think those are great qualities that we definitely need to have. But that's for a different message. I, I want to focus on that concept of the show, that the show must go on. Because I really believe that when it comes to us and what we're doing and what we've been entrusted by God to do in building his church, not our church, in building his church across the globe, that... Well, we've got to make sure that what we do does not ever get reduced to a show. Well, what if the show on a Sunday was not what people came to see? But what if the show was not what people came to meet? <laughs> Desperate, broken, searching people who find themselves in our churches on Sundays. Yeah, we may have the music, we may have the lights, we may have dynamic communication, but... People aren't there to see a show. They're there to encounter Jesus Christ. I began to think through what it is that we do on a Sunday. Um, I think my parents with Hillsong Church uh, really had a desire, you know, many, many years ago to 
kind of set a model that could inspire a global church, a way of doing church with our worship, music, the way that we do certain things. I think uh, many people, I'm not saying this this uh, out of pride by any means, you know, I'm talking about what my parents have done, but I think they have carved a way for the global church and, and have done an incredible, incredible job. But I think about what we do on a Sunday. You know, I think about, if I'm to take, for example, our our church in downtown Los Angeles, we meet in a theater, it's a nightclub. Um, you know, people come there on a Sunday in all sorts of manners. You know, there are people who are walking there. There are people who are riding bikes there. There are people who are catching buses and, and trains and different stuff to be there. Those who drive a car, we don't have any parking. So they're trying to figure out a way that they can get and find somewhere to pay for parking or find someone on the street where they can get away for long enough to not be towed while they go to a service. You know, you know, and then in our church, by the grace of God, we have people who line up to get inside church. So they they're lining up outside and, and then there's this moment where we decide we're going to open the doors, you know, and there's this excitement and high fives and people greeting and welcome and smiling faces and the lights are low and, and people walk in and try to get their seats, you know, and then there's this moment, you know, five minutes before the service starts where we're going to play this pre-roll and it's this beautiful video that's put together with cool lights and images and sounds and the whole intention behind it is to kind of build the atmosphere and kind of get everything going. Then there's this moment right as the service starts and the worship team are up there and we go into about 20 minutes of praise and worship. You know, the lights are flashing and, and the smoke and the, 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 the jumping, the dancing, the singing, you know, we pray that our songs are are catchy and the people are getting into them there's the moment whether whether it's myself or one of the team will get up and we begin to go over what we've rehearsed and practiced in order to tell people about what's coming up or what's important and then there's this moment where we go into a message and you know we've spent time to sit down and try 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 construct a message that may be funny or it may have emotions but really it's about pushing something you know and then we get to the end of that with maybe some more music and a big encouragement to everyone to come back next week i think about what we do on a sunday as good as it is and as beautiful as it is and as powerful as it is and at times influential and and it's successful in what it is, but how easy is it for us to fall into routine with what we're doing on a Sunday service? We do our 20 minutes of worship. You know, we play this video, we say this, we do that, we get to the end, and we hope that people come back next Sunday. How easy is it to, to reduce that to just become a show? Just a show. It's just another event that people come to in Los Angeles. Plenty of other events that they could go to, and we just hope that they come to ours on a Sunday. It's so easy to get to a place where we're going through the routine and we're going through the different parts of what we do, yet what we are doing is so absent of the Spirit of God. What we are doing could be, I'm not saying it is, I'm saying it could be, so absent of of Jesus, so absent of the whole reason that we are doing what we are doing. How many people, their only experience of God and Christianity is the show that we put on on a Sunday? Again, I'm talking about myself here. I'm talking about our church and what we're doing. If we're not careful, it's so easy to lose Jesus in the middle of all of this. And I really hope and I pray that 
when it comes to who we are and what we're doing and where God has us right now and the dreams and the visions that we have and what we planted and building and, and what is happening, that, that we don't get caught up just trying to entertain people. Yeah. We don't get caught up just trying to impress people. We don't get caught up just, just in, in the show, but we understand that this is all about Jesus, that people matter, Jesus matters, the message of Jesus Christ matter, and, and that we make sure that we are submissive to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, what God is wanting to do in all of this. If I can make this personal for a second, come on, as leaders and pastors, I want to make this personal. How much of what we do is just going through the motions? I know there's been a lot of mention already this morning at the conference about social media, Instagram, Twitter, all of this different stuff. It's very easy for for us to fall into a place, understanding our culture and understanding society, technology, the way that generations and people are responding and interacting. And and so it's very easy for us to fall into a place where our focus is this, this image that we're putting across through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is. We become so wrapped up in all of this. How much of our preaching, how much of our leadership, how much of what we do, come on, personally, where we just begin to go through the motions. Because right. I've got to tell you right now, if we fall into this place, that saying that the show must go on, I've got to tell you, no, the show needs to stop. The show needs to stop. It's not about our image that we're putting out there. It's not about how we look. It's not about building our platform or trying to make ourselves look better or any of that. We've got to glorify God. We've got to point to Jesus. We've got to understand what this is truly all about. The personal side of it, collectively, come on, when it comes to what we are doing as teams and leadership teams and churches and pastors, are we getting too focused on really the things that, that, that should be secondary to what is most important. Are we getting too caught up in, in going, well, well, these churches have this kind of you know, lights and, and video and all of that. So, so that's what we need. No, friend, come on. We've got to make sure that we're creating the kind of environment that, that welcomes people, that people, good in, you know, we, we believe that church should be a place that is enjoyed and not endured. But we believe in all of those kind of things. But if all of this is just reduced to a show, then we are completely, completely missing the point. My heart and my prayer for what we are doing with with our church here in California, and hopefully if I could just encourage anyone here, wherever it is that you are at, I pray that we keep reminding ourselves of what this is truly all about, the why behind all of this. I want to read Matthew 23 again and verse 1. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. They love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. They love to be called rabbi. You know, this is going on. Jesus is is, is at a point where, where I believe that what he is communicating is of such importance to those of us who are building his church today. He's saying, listen to, I mean, they're teaching law, they're they're, they're teaching truth, like listen to what they say, just don't follow their example. 
Come on, what have we heard forever? Any of us that have been around, you know, leadership is example. Leadership is the life that we live. Our, our preaching is not what we do with a microphone on a Sunday. Our, our preaching is the way that we live our lives, how we treat our wives, how we treat our kids, how we treat our friends, how we treat our, our leaders and those who are serving and, and giving themselves to us. All of this, that's what it's truly all about. Not that we just craft beautiful messages that impress people or make people laugh or maybe even make people cry. No, come on, we got to point to Jesus. But we need to live a little bit more like Paul, you know, when he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. As a leader and pastor, I want to say, you know, follow my example. I'm far from perfect. I don't always get this right, but I'm going to do everything I can to live like Christ. I'm going to do everything I can to be like Jesus. Like John says, less of me, more of him. It needs to be the desire of our heart as leaders and as pastors. Not about impressing people, not about entertaining people. All of that stuff has a place. But it's still got to be submissive to what God is doing and the Holy Spirit is doing and, and not running someone else's race, but running the race that God has called you to run and, and all of this. I just think there is so much importance. Let me ask, are we a people that's worth following? Not, not just listening to. Not, not just people that's worth listening to. Are, are we a people that are worth following? I think that's a great question to ask and I, I pray that, that, that we can answer this but 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5 it says they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly come on the second letter to Timothy Paul speaking of the last days of people makes this comment about those where it's all an act it's all a show and again I say I pray that we don't fall into that place you know, I've got to remind myself, I have my team at different times, just like when we hear good testimonies or praise reports or stories, I'm like, please email me that. I, I, want, to re- I want to come back to that. That's what it's about. I don't want to worry about whether our music was good or whether the lights failed or the video failed. I don't want to get caught up in all of that stuff that is secondary. Keep reminding me about the fact that Jesus is changing lives. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with a woman, a beautiful woman named Deb. She's got two children and... She came up to me with tears in her eyes and her son standing next to her, a teenage son standing next to her just a few weeks ago. And says, it's been three years, Pastor Ben. It's been three years, three years since you prayed with me. And, and uh, I get emotional. I'm like super emotionally unstable, all right? So I cried every day. But, um, <laughs> but you know, she's saying it's three years. Reminded me of the fact that that Sunday, three years before, her, her kids dragged her to church. And she had been homeless. She was completely wrapped up in, in alcohol addiction and substance addiction. And, and uh, this Sunday that she came, I'll never forget it because I, there was just something that the dad in me or what. But as this woman stood there completely unable to even stand still, you know, and she's just saying, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. And watching as her kids were standing either side of her, but she'd been so wrapped in this addiction for so long and so so just like any other Sunday you know we we laid hands we prayed and we believed and from that Sunday on she has never touched another bit of alcohol three years sober three years clean and and, and I, I watch now as she serves, I watch as her son, you know, that, that teenage son who, who was in such a difficult situation, but he's up on Sundays leading worship and involved in the team and watching this transformation. I'm sitting there going, I can't do that. Our music can't do this. Our videos can't do this. It is only Jesus Christ that can set people free, that can do this. And 
that's what it's all about. I got a friend named Sam. He, he grew up here. He is L.A. through and through. He is covered in tattoos. His face is covered in tattoos. He pushes strip clubs, and, and he's been in gangs and all of this stuff. Comes to church. He is a complete alcoholic as well, and yet radically saved. And, and God has set him th- free. And, and same thing, like three years, over three years now, sober and clean. And, and uh, he, he's still doing some things with his work, which I won't necessarily condone or join him in. But... Transformation. Transformation. We had a young girl named Lydia who's a a model and and she's beautiful and grew up with a a Christian background but but just never knew who Jesus was, never understood. It was just some connection that she had with her family and parents and and, uh, and she found herself like, you know, being invited by some friends to come to church and so she'd kind of come but again, it wasn't for her. She, she just didn't connect with it. She didn't understand it at all and yet the, the person that she loved and she'd been with for a long time she came home one night and just out of nowhere he, he began to beat her and punch her and kick her and and she she blacked out. She was completely beaten to a place with, with close to death, and and had to be rushed into hospital and get full facial reconstruction surgery and everything. And and she comes in this moment with nowhere else to turn, and comes to some of the the team and the pastors in our church, and and she's so broken and and everything. And and just through this conversation and through what God is doing in this church, and and just seeing the restoration. We're now a couple of years after this, and just seeing what God has done, the hope that's been restored. Her understanding that so many of the things that she valued and that she thought were important all are nothing, that it's all about Jesus. And I'm, I'm listening to these stories going, again, our music can't do this. Our, our videos, my words can't do this. It is only Jesus Christ that turns people and, and changes lives and, and everything. And I know I'm sitting in this point because I want you to hear it. I want you to catch it. There is something in our world where we get so caught up in what the newest thing is. Thank God for models like Ark that show us how to do church. So generous and everything. I'm not negating all of those things. I hope that I'm clear in that. But if that's all that it's about, we are completely missing the point. We're completely missing the point. I was reading a passage of scripture. And again, I want to speak to the leaders and pastors and and, and even the potential of, of, of everyone that's here. I was reading this passage of scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, uh, chapter 13, excuse me. And I'm going to read, is it all right if I read a good amount of scripture? I didn't tell the team, so we don't have any scriptures up there. <laughs> Just got to listen to this Australian accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> First Chronicles chapter 13, it's, it's speaking about David as he is attempting to move the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of Covenant representing the presence of God. You know, the, the, the presence of God, it was a, a chest that involved certain items, Aaron's rod and, and, and certain things, manner and so on. But it represents, understand, it's representing the, the presence of God. So it says here in 1 Chronicles 13, David consulted with all of his officials, including the generals and captains of his army. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messengers to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites in their towns and pastorlands. Let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. Verse 4 says the whole assembly agreed to this. For the people could see that it was the right thing to do. 
So David summoned all Israel from the Shehob brook of Egypt in the south all the way to the town of Lebo Hamath in the north to join in bringing the ark of God from Kiriath Jerim. And then David and all Israel went to Bala of Judah, also called Kiriath Jerim, to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart. They bought it from Abinadab's house. Now Uzzah and Ahio were guiding the cart. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, singing... Uh, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. And then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he had laid his hand on the ark. So Uzzah died there in the presence of God. I've got to be honest, I read some scriptures, I'm like, what in the world is going on? It continues, verse 11 says, David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against him as it is still called today. Verse 12 says, David was now afraid of God and he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? So David did not move the ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of God remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, listen to it, and the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he owned. I was reading this scripture earlier this year. I'm like, what is this talking about? What is this? The ark of God. Like David confers with everyone, his officials. Everyone thinks it's a good idea. The ark of God, the presence of God, which has been neglected during the time of Saul. He's like, I think we should care about this again. This is what we're all about. We should move this into the city. Everyone agrees. They think this is a great idea as they prepare and plan for it. I mean, they are throwing a praise party right there. They're dancing. They're rejoicing. They are celebrating. Yet it gets to this point where the, the cart stumbles. And one of the guys who's trying to do the right thing reaches out to steady it. He doesn't want it to fall. He, he honors this thing. He doesn't want it to fall. He reaches out and touches it. But... That, that breaks law, and therefore he is struck dead right there. David's angry. He's confused. Now he doesn't know what to do, and, and so he determines, well, well I'm, I'm not taking this thing. This is what's going to happen. Leaves it at this guy Obed-Edom's house, and as a result, the very thing that just killed a guy now is seeing everything in his household wow. blessed. What, what is going on here? Right. I began to read later on in chapter 15, where, where David a second time, I guess he's acknowledged that the blessing is there. He still knows that it's the right thing. But I want you to listen to what it says in 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 13. So this is as he's preparing a second time now to bring it back. He says, Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord our God burst out against us. Listen to this. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. We we failed to ask God how to move it properly. Here is king. Here is leader. Here is pastor in our context. He thinks this is a great idea. He talks with his elders. He talks with his board. He talks with his key pastors. He talks with his team. Don't you think this would be a good idea? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. Actually, this is awesome. Let's put all of our attention in this. Let's put all of our focus in this. Let's make this. This is going to be great. We're dancing. We're rejoicing. We are celebrating because this is a great idea. Just one key thing. Forgot to seek God on what he wanted to do. Forgot to, to, to seek the Lord on how to move it properly. I began to think about what we're doing, the context of the show, context of us doing Sunday after Sunday after. Come on, leaders, pastors. Sundays come around really fast. 
I feel like I'm in a hangover from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I'm preparing Friday, Saturday to go for Sunday again. It's like, man, these things just keep on going, the demands and the needs and, and the people and all of the stuff that's happening. But if I ever get to a point where I'm so focused on the show and forgetting what God wants to do and the Holy Spirit wants to do, what he's instructing us, what he's leading us into, we are completely missing the point. So my heart and my encouragement to every single one of us and what we do, and like I said, I'm planning to leave plenty of time because I want to get to more practical things that might help you, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to encourage each and every single one of us and us doing what we do. We're not building our house. I'm not building Hillsong Church. We're building the house of God. We are building the church of Jesus Christ. It is all about him. And I think as leaders and pastors, we've got to be really careful to not get caught up in what the cool trend is or what all the cool kids are doing or what's happening here and what's happening there and trying to do all of these things. There is a place for all of that. But we've got to make sure that we understand that we are representing God, that we've got to be submissive to his leadership, his guidance, what he is wanting to do. Come on, do you believe that? So let me talk about Sundays again, because I talked about our Sundays. The, the, the reason that we meet where we meet is because we don't have a building yet. By the grace of God, if anyone wants to help give us one, we will accept it. Glad. But we meet in a theater for a reason. There are people who line up because God is doing something special, not because we're any special. I'm no different to anyone else. I'm no better than anyone else. We're just hungry for Jesus and hungry to reach our city. And people come into the service and they get seats and we... We play pre-roll and all of that because it actually shows a whole lot of great people in our church. It highlights community and what this church is all about and that there's a place for you and shows all sorts of different colors and backgrounds and people because people matter. There's a message behind what we do. The songs that we sing and not to entertain people. If you want to do that, turn your radio on or download something on Spotify. Play music to 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 entertain you, but we do that because we need to praise God. I've got every reason to praise and to worship him. He has given me everything. And so we as a church sing our songs and do what we do because we understand that he is worthy to be praised. And there is something so powerful in praise and worship. The reason, whether it's myself or a team get member gets up at the end and, and begins to MC or host that middle part of the service because we want to talk about the different ministries. We want to make sure people are, are, are focused are, or are, are welcome and, and understand what this is all about. We pray for people. We believe for people. The reason we construct a message is not to just entertain people, not so I can try build my own platform. It's because the word of God is alive and powerful. It changes things. It brings dead things to life. And we're going to do what we can to work at this and, and craft a message Because we want people to catch the life-changing message word of Jesus Christ and what this is all about. And everything that we do has meaning and purpose. But if we lose sight of the why, if we lose sight of the purpose, we all of a sudden are just going through the motions. And it's all about a show. And I want to tell you right now, there may be a phrase or a mentality, the show must go on. But when it comes to what we are doing and building the church, let's not be about the show. Let's be all about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. I went away from my notes. I had a bunch of other verses and scriptures and whatever else, but oh, good. Listen, like I said, um, as far as the just, I don't know what time this is supposed to finish. Or, 
Oh, we've got plenty of time. That's awesome. Listen, this can be as long or as short as you want it to be. Um, I'll say again, I definitely don't know the answers to everything, but I'll do my best to help. And and if there's anything you want to know about our Hillsong world or or, or anything like that, or my son, Blaze Benjamin, because he is a legend, future (laughs) Hall of Famer. I don't know what, but you can ask questions about it. Uh, If there's anything like that, I I would love to take this opportunity and, and, you know, we could get more practical here, but... Thanks. Great words. Uh, thank you for the challenge. It's awesome. So, obviously, there's a creative process to what we do in the church and all of that. Talk about how you guys are balancing that creative tension of you got to plan ahead, you got to get ahead on message series and message prep, you got to get ahead on graphic design and uh, so on and so forth. Talk about a lot of the creative process that you guys sell on California. And Hillsong Global yeah. are, are working through. How are you balancing that tension? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're definitely grace. Um, our church is, you know, similar to pretty much everyone's story. Our church, Hillsong Church, started in Australia 36, 35 years ago. Um, my parents started when I was one, so I can't really remember too much. Um, but, um, you know, we started with 40 people, just like we heard this morning, multiple times, same thing. We went backwards for a, a bunch of weeks, and then God started blessing. We met in a small school hall in the suburbs, like out where the cows and all that live, out in the suburbs of Sydney, definitely not in the city. Um, my parents just uh, have been so committed, and, and you know, I, I say all of that to go, you know, the journey of our church. Um, I, I'll be the first to admit that some people look at Hillsong, and it seems so kind of out there that they're just like, how could I ever relate to this? The truth is we, we've done this same thing uh, for many years. And, and, and I, I just wholeheartedly, with all my heart, believe that if God could do something for my parents in our church like this, then, then he can do it for anyone. I love what I think Sean or Kyle or one of them said up there where he goes, the best churches have not yet been planted. And I, I believe in all of that. And then as we have planted, you know, here in Los Angeles and California, my first meeting was with less than 10 people in a lounge room, you know, right in, in by Koreatown there. And, and of course, with, with the Hillsong name and the influence of the music and everything, there is people that, that become attached to that. But I'm simply trying to illustrate the fact that our church is, is no different to, to anyone else. And in that, you know, there's got to be a commitment with, with, with building team and the heart behind everything. And so when it comes to that creative process, when it comes to, um, you know, how we plan certain things out. There are times, you know, we, we have calendar planning meetings, you know, for 2019. So about a month ago, you know, some key different people sit down and plan and look at the different seasons of life. We pay attention to the different holidays that are happening. And, you know, I hope those of you around here, I hope we all celebrated, um, uh, uh, yes, the, the Hispanic Heritage Month that, that you know, we're kind of in right now. Like, come on, like, Los Angeles, I think, is something like 49% Hispanic. So it's like, man, we've got to pay attention to the different things that are happening. Black History Month in February and so on. You know, I, I think we need to pay attention to all of those kind of things and really plan and prepare ahead. And uh, we're no different. You know, Whether you're looking at Hillsong in Australia with tens of thousands of people and all of the stuff that's happening, or if you're looking at, at one of the, the new plants, you know, we're still doing the same thing, which is no different to any one of us. And I think we've always got a plan. We've always got a purpose. We've always got to uh, submit to God. I, I love um, uh, Pastor Dave, as he said today, you know, start everything with prayer. How key is that? I mean, he's sitting up the back. We should put our hands together again for that because that was awesome. I, I can't exactly sing like you sing, so I, when I get down on my knees, it looks a little different. Um, 
but uh, but uh, at the same time, I, I pray that that you know that that's what we're like. That we're we're strategizing, we're seeking God. We're we're, we're you know the creative process doesn't really look too different. I, I don't know if you want to get into more of the specifics, but it, it really is. Um, it's no different to what a, any of us are, are doing. You know, it's just it's different scales. Uh, we have conferences and all of those kind of things, which which kind of add whole new elements. And you know, those things are both incredibly strength str- uh, stressful. Um, as well as unbelievable opportunities to raise volunteers up and team up and and so on. So it's just, you know, using what you can, understanding that there is so much gold in every single church and every single, you know, we're we're not just reliant. We've got a really, really small staff uh, because we can't afford more. Um, But, you know, we've got unbelievably talented and gifted people so as leaders and pastors we've got to be committed to to finding the gold in people and seeking that out and drawing that out and and uh you know i, I really don't think it's, it's different to anyone yeah my man so um i'm the director of student ministries at our church which basically means youth and young adults awesome. in charge of. and something that i've been kind of working through personally in relation to what you're talking about was there's certain things that you can do to physiologically to physiologically get a response from people you know like if you have a break in music and come back in strong, people will more likely lift their hands or whatever that looks like. Um, if you open the doors and build up to a moment, people are going to be more excited running in than if I leave the doors open, people are trickling. Um, how do I work through the tension of me being a leader and, and leading these students and ultimately as I get older, as it turns into adults, the tension of bringing people to not just encounter some emotional response or reaction that I'm crafting or creating in a service or a sermon, um, or even for them to encounter a community that feels like Jesus and to encounter a worship service that feels like Jesus, that's ultimately just emotionalism or them connecting with the community. How do I, as a leader, lead them to encountering a real Jesus more than what they believe is Jesus <laughs> and find emotionalism or this community? Oh. Awesome. Can you repeat the question for the I'll the entire thing just into the mic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Josh said he'll do it later. I was just about to say, you can tell you're very smart and intellectual. Um, no, I can't repeat that. Do, do we have another microphone? We could just get him to. The recording just, just imagine, imagine what he asked, and I'll answer. <laughs> Um, can I say that it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing question. And the fact that you would even think to ask that question shows that you're thinking the right way. Um, I think so often we go through the motions and we, we do different stuff. And I think when we're intentional about stuff, it, it enables us and allows us to make sure that we're doing things the right way. And, and um, you know, I, I would keep encouraging you. Like, like, like I, tried to, I tried to illustrate the way that we do a service. We could look at it from a very cynical perspective in a way where we go through the motions and where, where it is quite a, a show and a performance. Or, or we could go through the exact same elements. Nothing's changed. But there's why behind it and purpose behind it and hopefully a, a, a submit, submission to the Holy Spirit and to God. I think the very fact that you would ask the question like you did shows that you're in the right place. And what it comes down to is just continually heart checking. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this because we've always done it this way? I don't know. Why? 
Is there no reason to? Well, let's just change it. Let's just do something different. God, how would you want us to do it? I think the very fact that you ask an amazing question like that shows that your heart's in the right place. And like I'm saying, we just got to keep checking our heart, our intent, our agenda, our motives. You know, I think one thing in leadership is just explain a little bit. Um, I mean, kind of going away from your question, but I still think one important thing for leadership is, is um, you know, as leaders, we always need to be open to change and prepared to change. I think most of us are, are good with that, but sometimes what we fail at is we have an element of, of pride in our leadership. So when we change something and it's not working, we kind of keep trying to push this thing because there's a pride element where we're like, oh, I've done... Don't be too proud to change back if it's not working or try something else. And, and I just really think, um, you know, like I'm saying, I, I think you, your head's in the right place. And, and if you continue to ask those questions and, and all of that and pray and, and see God, you know, you'll, you'll continue to do the right thing. Does that, does that answer the question all right? Sure. You're a legend. It's cool. Yes. As your design services, um, how much are you looking for? Oh, yeah. As your design services, how much are you looking through the lens of the young church as they visit? Constantly. I am. Um, I. Uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Um, my parents. Um, my parents did an incredible job with our kids, uh, with uh, with us kids. Um, mainly, I think the grace of God. I mean that, the grace of God. Um, but one of the things, I, I, you know, I'm a dad now. I've got four kids, and, and I'm leading, and I'm pastoring, and I, I think about this stuff often. One of the things I think my, my parents did a great job at with us kids um, is that they, they really allowed us the space and freedom to find our own relationship with Jesus. Um, and they really found, allowed us the freedom to, to choose ministry, not never forced us into ministry. If I can illustrate it, um, I talked with some of our staff this week about it. I had a moment where I met my wife, who's my wife now. We, we met young. We were teenagers, and, and uh, I wanted to get married young. I had no money, and so I, I found this job where it paid well, and I started going this certain path, and, and I was, like, ready to be fully invested. My dad... Um, helped me, helped me meet with accountants and so on to kind of set this up. And I had this moment after months and months and months of like starting this and kind of getting where I just was in a regular Sunday service. And uh, as we know, when Jesus is involved, nothing is regular. It's no different to any other service here. I just, in praise and worship that day, God just completely consumed me. And I just knew that what I was walking toward and doing was, was not the right choice. So I said to my dad after the service, I said, hey, I just want you to know, like, you know, I still had tears in my eyes. I said, um, I, I want you to know that I'm not going to do this. You know, I just, I, I know I want to build church and, and I'm just going to volunteer at church and, and see what happens. And his response was, he goes, that's, he, he says, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. He goes, are you sure? I go, yeah. And he goes, you thought this through? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And, and he goes, it's awesome. I never thought like that was the right thing for you. And I, like for me, I was thinking, man, he, he helped me. He encouraged me. He took me to meet with accountants. And I was going to do this other, the other thing, yet he never agreed that that was the right thing. Yet he allowed me to find my own place with, with Jesus. And the, the reason I, I, I say that is because I, I think with, with what we're doing, sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting what your question was. What was the question again? Are you designing your services through the lens of Yes. I'm saying all of this because my relationship with Jesus and, and my reason that I'm in ministry is not just because my dad does it and it's not just because, you know, it's our family trade and this is what we do. Jesus has radically changed my life. 
I owe everything to Jesus. And, and so I have lived, even before I was in ministry, I've lived with this passion to, to win people. I had a situation in my teenage years where I, uh, this guy came and I kept feeling to invite him to church and tell him about Jesus. And, and I kept getting too nervous and shy. And I was thinking, ah, oh, another time. What's he going to think? You know, I put it off and I put it off and put it off. I'd feel the spirit. And, and uh, long story, but he, he um, we're at a party and I was driving a car and he was drunk and whatever else and, and he was running next to the car and a car came the other way and, and hit him um, and he flew through the air. It was a hit and run. The car disappeared and and I, like, I mean, five yards from me, watch as this guy's lying on the on the road face down with blood everywhere thinking he's, he's been killed right there. I will never forget sitting on the curbside feeling like I missed that, that opportunity. I missed that chance, and, and it has eaten away at me and in, a, in a positive way. Um, by the grace of God, to close that story, he survived, severely brain damaged, but survived and um, came to church and got saved, and, and thank God for his grace and his goodness and all of that. But I'll never forget that feeling. And so I've lived my life constantly trying to reach people and tell people about Jesus. And, and you know, I starting here in Los Angeles, I, I went out any chance I could get just to reach people. You know, I'm not just pastoring and, and hoping that people turn up on a Sunday. We're going to go out because this message matters. We don't know what tomorrow holds and just watch the news for five minutes and you'll see we got no idea what, what tomorrow holds. And so every single moment. So I say all of that to go, I am want to be the, the person who invites the most people to our church. I tell our team and staff, at, at any given time, I've got 10 numbers in my phone that, um, that are completely unsafe people, unchurched people, and I just text them every single week. Hey, you know, this, this, this. You want to come along with me? At it, the moment people come, they get saved, I, I find some more. I make sure there's a minimum of 10, and, and I, I want to live that way. Now, the reason I say all of that, because as a leader and pastor, when you come and you've got five people who are brand new to this thing, and they've got no idea what's going on, you pay attention to the way that you lead. You start to realize all of the stuff that's really weird that we do in church, and, and all of this is like... Why do we do that? I don't want to hold this guy's hand. Like, that's weird. Like, you know, like, there's stuff like that that you start to think through. And so I simply say everything we do is through that filter of the lost and everything. We, we want to have a church. You know, I pray that we're a church where people will go further than ever in their, their, their theology, their doctrine, their understanding of the word, their relationship with Jesus. Yet at the very same time, we've got to be a church that's reaching the lost and mindful. And so I think every single decision and Man, I don't know where I was going at the start of that with all the other story, but all of the stuff that we do has to be through that. And the greatest way to do that for any of us is make sure you're bringing, bringing friends. Make sure you're the one that's bringing people because when you do that, you watch how different you talk when you get up and MC and how different you preach and, and all of that stuff. But, yeah, it's an awesome question, man. It's, it's great. Yeah. How did you guys as a, as a team with all the different generations in the congregation – so how do you as a team keep everybody engaged when you have like the older generations that are more consumers, where now the younger generations are more publishers and want to be publishing everything? So how do you keep the wide range of people engaged in, in your Sunday Yeah. So for the sake of this, the question being how do we how do we engage you know all different types of people and and everything, um, which again is a great question, and I think in, intentionality is is so important for for all of us in, in leadership. You know, again, not just going through the motions, doing something because that's the way that we've always done it. Um, when I first moved here and I would start to prepare messages and and so on, I used to um, I, I'm like creative, so I'm always drawing on everything, and and uh, you know um, I. I used to sit there when I was preparing a message 
and I would just on the on a piece of paper I start to draw different people that I, I would recognize in church. So the single mum with her two young kids, and 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 you know the the young actor who, who's moved from who knows where trying to make it, and and you know all, all the different people, the the drug addict, and the you know I, I would draw all different people to make sure that every single time I was. I was preparing something. I was like, how's this going to relate to her? Wow. And, and how's this going to relate to him? And, and how's that going to help this guy? And so I think from that perspective, you know, our church in general, it is, it is very young. And I think that's an awesome thing, you know, because statistics and people say that church is aging and people, young people don't care and all of that. Uh, I, I think by the grace of God, we're, we're, we're going against that trend, which is beautiful. I know many, many here uh, as well, which is awesome. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm young and our team is young. So again, if, if I've got someone's grandma there on a Sunday and I'm thinking, hey, I don't want to just preach to this. How, how do I also preach in a way that's inclusive of her and, and this situation? So again, I think when we're intentional about stuff, it changes the way that we lead, communicate and do everything. And uh, there's an amazing couple in our church in Los Angeles, Los Angeles named Sam and Heidi Stevens. They're an older couple and. Lucille um, says this all the time, but she's like, we prayed them in. Um, they, they've got an amazing story, but they've been involved in ministry, but were living in Los Angeles, no church, different stuff, and, and came along. And, and like I said, they're an older couple, and, and we just recognize their pastoral heart and certain things. And so we just asked them, we're like, hey, we're young. We've got a really young team. We need a mom and dad in, in the church. So if you can just keep coming and be this, you know, it's going to help. So again, that's just intentionality, being mindful of it. And so I think when we do that, it doesn't, doesn't matter who we're, 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 you know, is coming along, hopefully, hopefully. We do, definitely don't get it right, by the way, all the time. But uh, hopefully we're, we're creating the kind of services that is inclusive of everyone. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. You mentioned that you have a small staff. I think it's pretty crazy because you guys do so much. So I imagine there's an awesome volunteer culture there. Yeah. Um, I guess my best question would be, how do you know who to hire them? Like, for those important core people that you have to have. Yeah. How do we hire the right people? And we got a big volunteer staff. We just flip a coin and just. Okay. <laughs> no, um, it, it's a. I mean, it's a great question, and and I think there's a lot of wisdom within the the arc team that that could really help with that. Um, guys like Chris Hodges are, are absolute geniuses when it comes to structures and systems and certain things that that um, come into play. Uh, if I'm to think about, you know, just what, what I've been... I, I planted a location in Australia many years ago as well before we, we moved here. And if I'm to think about that, Los Angeles, Orange County, San Francisco, we've never followed the same model. It's, it's looked different. It's not like, I, you know, our first hire is this and our second is that and our third is... We've not done that. Now, again... Excuse me if I'm swearing, cussing to the ARC team who have perfect models and everything. I don't know if you do. Um, I, I can't answer that exactly. I'm just saying that in our um, situation, we, we've, it's looked different every time. Um, but rather than that, I, I think just to focus on the, the volunteer culture, and um, you, you know, it's something that uh, our church has been built on for a really long time. Again, I believe it's an anointing, and I believe it's the grace of God. But again, intentionality of my dad. I think he is the best of the best when it comes to believing in people and seeing gold in people um, that that others can't. Uh, something that he prides himself on, and, and um, something that we've just seen replicated. To be honest thousands and thousands of times over people look at Hillsong and how do you get all these lead pastors around the world and the caliber well we're all 
punk kids that just grew up in the youth ministry and whatever else and we were believed in and we were given chances and given a shot and we messed things up and we failed things but we were still encouraged and believed in and and I think that that sort of commitment as a leader and pastor to build a strong team of, of volunteers and everything is, is so important and critical and then when you're in a position where you can hire certain things I think you've got a, a, a you've got a large pool of people that you can choose from so you can try and make the right decisions um, you know I'm, I'm sure most most people here would would be using the growth track model um, which is such a successful and an amazing um, thing we call it engage we had Lane and, and Pastor Chris and others come and help us with that um, but you know we use that and, and it's a great way to keep building up our volunteer team getting people to understand you know who we are as a church what we're all about you know how people can find their place in this and it helps build that volunteer team and and um, yeah like, like I said a good combination of learning off the art teams and, and and the models there but really just that that commitment to just keep trusting in people and and I, I want to do that you know I think about Diego sitting here and that guy preaches a hundred times better than I do he's an unbelievable leader I love the way that he thinks and so I'm going to do everything I can to not try push him down to keep myself up I'm going to do everything I can to lift him up and and uh work for him one day and and uh and I'll, I'll be happy I'm just going to play golf and surf and, and <laughs> he can pastor um <laughs> no you know what I'm saying right it's awesome. It's a good question. We, we got like three more minutes. Um, your hand was up first, but I'm sure your question was awesome. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> as pastors, sometimes we hear, you have longer worship. Like, and I'm sure when people go to Hillsong, they're like, more worship. How do you respond to that? Like, people have a mentality that things have to be really long to be good. Mm. You know, at least that seems to yeah. or whatnot, and I'm sure when people come to your service they're probably like man where is going to be worship and but do you ever get that like man we just want more worship and how do you kind of as a pastor try to navigate that totally it doesn't have to be long to be good yeah does that make sense no of course it makes sense it's a great question and um i'm going to answer completely inappropriately and i apologize if you're offended but you know sex is short but it's great um (laughs) um, (laughs) no um that's my ADD side, which I can't control. I can't control. Um, no, the, the truth is... I'm so sorry. I, uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's a great question. Um, if I answer it from a different perspective, um, I think there's always going to be people in our church that have their own agendas. Um, you know, and again, I think we, we've got incredible legends, heroes of the faith that have gone before us. You know, Pastor Dave, so many uh, who, who are so good in helping us. You know, helping us understand that that we've got to. I mean, essentially, do what I was talking about today. We've got to trust God and trust you know what He's put on our lives and all of that, and not be swayed to what people necessarily want now it's good to be mindful you know maybe if maybe there are times when worship could be shorter worship could be longer preaching could be shorter preaching could be longer there's times for all of that but we we just got to stay true to what we feel like God's leading us into and and be careful that we're not just trying to you know appease everyone's agendas and opinions and you know if I can there's there's sides to this that become really complicated you know my dad I've heard him for years and years and years to you know talk about this concept a leadership principle 
Um, and he'll use as an example, you know, people that were so anti, like the music's too loud, you got to turn the music down. You gotta, and he's like, no, like, you know, let's just do this. Like, you know, just stay true and all of that. I'm like, that's, that's really, that's, that's cool. Like, that's, that's easy. I, I, I'm an Australian. I'm, I'm white. And I've come to a country where there's complexities around things like racism and so on, which, which I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't understand. And I've got to be listening and all of that. And we've gone through seasons in our church where we've had people who have an agenda and have become manipulative in certain things. And I want to come with every element of sensitivity and empathy and, and all of that. But then there's times where I'm like, but, but am I just being swayed down into an agenda or something? That's really tricky. That's not as easy as, is the music too loud or not? That's because that's, this is a real issue. People are really suffering and people are really going through, through pain and, and, and all of that. So there's got to be a sensitivity and an empathy about us, yet, yet making sure that we're still trying to stay in true to who we are. So some issues are, are, are easy fixes. Is worship too long? No, it's not. Go somewhere else if you want. Listen to music before you come, you know. But, there, but, there's, yeah. but, but there's other things which we've got to be really sensitive and trust in the whole. Again, I don't know how to lead through that. I constantly am like, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I love you and I love this city. I'm going to do everything I can. And so help me in this, you know, but there's some things. Why do I get emotional? Always. I don't know. People matter to me. That's why. Um, there's some issues that are that we, we've got to really, you know, trust in God. But I, I just think still staying true to who we are and, and what we do is, is the best. Um, you know, if I speak specifically, we're a minute over. If I'm to speak specifically about worship, you know, we typically do about 20 minutes. But this Sunday night, we're doing 30-minute um, worship things right across. Why not? Let's just worship longer and let's just make the message shorter and, you know, do some different things, try some different stuff and, and whatever else. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope that helps. I, I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. We love you guys. Enjoy your next session.